Thank you, Terry. May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning, and may the words from my mouth be what each of us needs to hear. I talked this morning, if you listen to uh, our radio program at 825, I talked a little bit about time. And this being New Year's Eve, I'm, I'm sorry, this being shortly after New Year's, and the beginning of a new year, I thought what a good opportunity to talk about time. Have you ever thought about the meaning of time? We talk about chronological time, time that's measured by the ticking of a clock. It's a calendar time, a time that's measured by the earth rotating on its axis, time measured by the earth's journey around the sun. But what if the earth were no longer? What if the sun was no more? Would that mean that time no longer existed? We also talk about subjective time. To children who are waiting for Christmas to come, time moves very, very slowly. To their parents, Christmas comes sometimes all too quickly. To their grandparents, Christmas 1975 might seem like it was just yesterday. It's all subjective, subjective time. As one scientist put it, if you sit on a hot stove, a minute will seem like an hour. Chronological time, subjective time. In the Bible, we see another kind of time. That is called Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, Kairos, God's time. St. Thomas Aquinas explained God's time like this, quote, In the beginning, when God first created heaven and earth, God also created time. Because God created time, God stands outside of time. God is timeless. God is eternal. Artists sometimes portray God as an old man. How false that portrait is. God is not old. God is not young. God is ageless. God has no clock to conform to. End quote. There is no yesterday or tomorrow in eternity. Eternity is just now. Because God stands outside of time, according to what Aquinas said, God can see all time at one glance. This is hard to wrap our minds around. The past is there before him. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. But the future is also before God. We ask, can God know the future? Aquinas would say, most certainly God can know the future because the future stands before God in exactly the same way as the past. Now that's a lot for us with our finite minds to comprehend, with our understanding of time to comprehend. But may I suggest that the celebration of Christmas, the celebration of Jesus, is the celebration of Kairos. It's the celebration of God's time. 
When John the Baptist went out and proclaimed in the wilderness that the kingdom of God is at hand, he was saying something about the timelessness of God. Let's begin by thinking about the meaning of time for just a few minutes. I'll start with this simple statement. Time is important to us. I think we can all agree. Time is very, very important to all of us. I read about a man who prided himself on always being on time. He followed a very precise routine every morning. His alarm went off at 6.30 a.m. He got up, he shaved, he showered, he ate his breakfast, he brushed his teeth, he picked up his briefcase, he got into his car, he drove to a nearby ferry landing, he parked his car, he rode the ferry across to the downtown business district, he got off the ferry, he walked down the street to his building, he marched into the elevator, he rode to the 17th floor, he hung up his coat on the same hook every day, opened his briefcase, fired up his computer, spread his papers out on his desk and sat down in his chair at exactly 8 a.m. Not 8.01, always at 8 a.m. He followed this same routine without fail for years and years until one morning when the unthinkable happened and his alarm didn't go off and he slept 15 minutes later than usual. When he woke up, he was panic-stricken. He rushed through his shower, he gulped down his breakfast, he halfway brushed his teeth, he grabbed his briefcase, he jumped in his car, he sped down to the ferry landing, he jumped out of the car, and he looked for the ferry boat. There it was, out in the water, about 10 feet away from the shore. He said, I think I can make it. And so he ran toward the dock at full speed. At the edge of the water, he leaped out into the water and miraculously landed with a thud on the deck of the ferry boat. And the captain came rushing over and said, are you okay? And he said, yeah, I'm fine. I made it. And he said, man, that was a tremendous leap. But if you would have just waited about another minute, we would have been up to the shore to get you. <laughs> yes, time is important to us. Scripture says that God allows us, when the scriptures were written, it said 70 years and sometimes more. The first 15 years we spend in childhood and early adolescence, we spend about 20 years of our life sleeping. And in our later years, our physical activities are limited, start to slow us down. That gives us about 30 years to live as adults, take time out for cooking and eating and doing all the different things we do in life, driving, and we're down to maybe 15 years. Now suppose we spend seven of those years staring at a screen, whether it be a phone or a computer or something. That cuts us down to maybe seven or eight years. Time is important. Our time on this earth is short. The time that we can invest for God and for other people is short. And I think as we get older, we tend to remember that a little bit more, but I think at times we also tend to forget that. Time is important. Secondly, time is in very short supply. One time, 
great preacher Dwight L. Moody preached on Zacchaeus. Remember the story of Zacchaeus, the little man? Well, his message was great. But during this whole sermon, he never once called him Zacchaeus. He called him Zacchaeus the whole time. And on the way home from church, his kids teased him. And they said, Pa, it isn't Zacchaeus. It's Zacchaeus. And he said, No, nonsense. I don't have time to say Zacchaeus. There's too much work to be done. I saved myself a syllable. Later in his life, his heart began to act up while he was in England preaching. He was examined, and the doctor told him that he should take it easy, slow down for a while. And so services that he had planned in Chicago were postponed, and he headed back home on a ship. On the way home, the ship's engine stopped, and the ship began to drift out of main traffic lanes, and there was fear as the days went by that the chances of the ship being spotted were becoming slimmer and slimmer. Well, on one of those dark days, Moody was standing by the rail of the ship, looking out into the ocean and thinking about time and how much of it he had left or possibly how little he had left. And he vowed to God that if his life was spared and he could be given a little more time, he would continue to devote it to preaching the gospel and loving other people. Well, soon the ship was found and it was rescued. Moody's services in Chicago were postponed until the time that the World's Fair was going on. And get this, the World's Fair, his, the crowds that came to Moody's services were so big that the World's Fair was closed down on Sunday because no, nobody came. They were going to see Moody. Time had suddenly become very precious to him, and he preached like he never preached before. And he didn't want to waste any time because he said there was work to be done. Many of us feel the pressure of time. John the Baptist felt that pressure. Jesus felt it too. The early church had that same sense of urgency. Time is important. Time is in short supply. And yet, the important things in life are timeless. The Bible, the scriptures, are timeless. It's a living document. The Bible is not a dead book with a record of dead people. It is a record of a living God who was at work then and is still at work today. The same God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Elijah and Samuel and David and all the great ones, the God of Jeremiah and Isaiah is my God and is your God. The Bible is timeless. God is timeless. The Bible is like a telescope. If we look through a telescope, we see things clearly. We see worlds beyond. But if we just look at a telescope, we just see a telescope. The Bible is a thing to be looked through, to see what is beyond, what is coming, 
But if only if we look through it will we see not dead letters, but beyond. The Bible is our telescope into the past, the present, and the future. It's a living book. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper, which we're going to celebrate shortly, is timeless. The first Lord's Supper took place over 2,000 years ago. Yet Jesus taught us that until he comes, we are to eat the bread and drink of the cup together until he returns. He told us to celebrate this sacrament until the day we celebrate it in the kingdom of God, and it will be celebrated there as well. The Lord's Supper is a celebration of what God has done, what God is doing now, and what God will do in the future. It's eternal. It's yesterday, today, tomorrow, all rolled into one. We just celebrated Christmas. Christmas is timeless too. Every time we celebrate Christmas, it should come alive for us again. Christmas is more than the celebration of Jesus' birth. It's the celebration of his life, his teachings, his death on the cross. It's the celebration of that empty tomb, celebration of his presence with us now, today, and the anticipation of that day when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Christmas is timeless. The most important things in life are timeless. That's because God is timeless. God will never fail us. God's love will never, ever end. Time is important. Time is in short supply. Yet the most important things in life are timeless. Love is timeless. Hope is timeless. Joy is timeless. So what does all this mean? May I suggest this. This moment is God's moment. Right now, today, this is God's time. We are living in Kairos. God's time. All of creation waits for what's coming. The victory is already here. It's already ours, if we just accept that. There's a story told about a man who liked to read mystery books, but he didn't like to be kept in suspense, and so he would read the last chapter first. That way he could read the book, knowing that in the end, good was going to triumph over evil. And so he'd always, in his own mind, tell the bad guy or the bad girl, don't get too sure of yourself. I already know the ending of the story. You'll get yours later. Well, the Christmas story lets us see the last chapter first. The baby in the manger was God's announcement to us that God was at work in our world and still is at work in our world today. The angels could sing, peace on earth, goodwill to all. Not because there was peace in Bethlehem. There was not peace in Bethlehem even in those days, 2,000 years ago, just as there's no peace in Bethlehem today. But in God's mind, it had already happened. The future belongs to God. This moment is God's moment. God is alive. God is here now. Time is important. Time is in short supply. But God is timeless. Let's not waste the precious time that God has given us. This is the perfect time of the year to evaluate ourselves. This is a time of year when we 
evaluate what we're doing as a church and as a ministry? Are we investing in what will crumble and decay with time, or are we investing in eternal things, things that really matter? The kingdom of God is at hand. Is it a present reality in our lives? It can be and it should be. Time is the Kairos, God's time. Why not use this time, the new year, to commit to do our best with God's help, to share the gift of God's love like we've never done before? Amen.